Welcome to Self-Made Milk, the podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Gordon, mom of three girls, multi-passionate entrepreneur, storyteller, creator, and coach to the high achievers of the world. This is the podcast for the woman who wants it all. The bank account, the body, the impact, the family, the freedom. This is where we redefine what it really means to be a MILF and be a woman who gets it all. Together with me and our amazing guests, we are pulling back the curtains and revealing what it really takes to create your dream life from how to build the confidence and resilience to go after what you want unapologetically to navigating the realities of motherhood, mental health, and life as a high achieving woman. Welcome to the Self-Made Milk Podcast. Okay, guys, um, welcome back to another episode of the Self-Made Milk Podcast. I am so excited today to have a guest. Um, this is someone who I have personally been connected to for a while on social, um, on social media. And she's honestly one of the few people that I believe is as eclectic as I am in the sense that she has so many facets to her and so many different avenues. And the most beautiful thing is that she really allows herself to talk about all of it when it comes to um, putting herself online and, and showing up for her brand and her businesses. And I think that's something that all of us could do a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Allow us to really, um, to really show all sides of us, or at least as many sides as you want to show. I think there's so many women walking this planet that are like, you know, especially women in business. I can only talk about this. I can only show up as this version of me. And I feel like this beautiful soul that I have today, just, she, she does it in such a way that is so profound. And so I'm excited to kind of touch on that, but what we're really going to dive into today is a topic that is so important. If you are a high value woman, a, a woman that knows her worth, a woman that is, you know, financially successful, you have the business from the outside, you have it all, so to speak, but there's one area that you would like a little bit of guidance on, you want some insight on. And so we're going to talk about how to attract your person, your soulmate, your life partner, whatever you want to call it as a high value woman. And specifically for those of you that are mothers and single mothers, um, Paige has an incredible uh, story. I'm excited to hear it because I haven't personally heard the full thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to hear it. So without further ado, I would love to introduce to you Paige Michelle. Um, Paige, I actually have a fun kind of different question to start this off with instead of uh-huh. the, like, tell me your story. Uh-huh. Um, so what does it mean to you to be a mill? <laughs> oh, so for me, for me being a milf, well, first off, I love the name of the podcast. When you said it, I was like, that's so good. Um, and I've always like wanted to be a milf. And I think it's mostly, of course, everybody wants to feel hot. Everybody wants to feel attractive. Everybody wants to feel that. I think it's more about being magnetic because I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily connotate every attractive mom as like a milf, you know what I mean? Because like, or in, or in general, it's not every attractive woman does a man or anybody want to be close to, but if you're magnetic and you know who you are, you're in your power. Um, to me, that's what it means to be like a self-made MILF is to be completely self-focused, self-managed. And, and in that you'll be magnetic. Yep. I love that. When I, when I asked this question uh, to somebody else, the it's, it's such an interesting thing because men, right. When men hear the word MILF, what, what do they think? Immediately they go to the looks, right? Right. Oh, it's, it's an attractive woman to me, to you, to every woman I've asked this question to that the, the answer has been so similar in the sense of it has, it has to do with confidence. It has to do with being magnetic. Mm-hmm. It has to do with knowing your worth. It has to do with hold, the way you hold yourself. Yeah. So I love 
I love that you said that because it's I so think true. most men probably don't even realize what they're attracted to. They think it's the physicality, but it's not usually. Not at all. Um, I love that. So yeah. you, you kind of mentioned this, but did you always know that you would be a MILF, so to speak? So somebody who's successful, you would, you know, create a life that you love. Like, did you, did you have that knowing always? Yeah, I did. Like I was playing single, like CEO mom when everybody else was playing house. Like I, I used my like bedroom as an apartment and like, I always was, this was always going to be the thing. Um, I don't know why I was single, but house never seemed, you know, like what my parents had and what all the other parents had didn't seem like that was what I was going to have. It wasn't that it was bad. It just didn't seem correct for me. Um, so I always knew that I would be just like successful in some way. Um, and that I would be a mom, like being a mom was never a question. It wasn't even, I didn't even want kids. It wasn't like, Oh my gosh, can't wait to be a mom. It was just like, duh. Like that's what it, you know what I mean? It's some, I think for some people it's like a destiny and for some people it's a, it fills a void and it comes from this place of lack. And I think for some other people, it's just like an obvious, like, of course I was going to be a mom. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yep. think I knew very early on. Yep. Do you find that that's a pattern? Cause I, again, I see it as a pattern that there's so many women that just, it's, it's that feeling, um, from a young age, just knowing that you're going to be different or you're meant to do mm-hmm. something different. You're meant to do big things. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's so interesting. So yeah, going back. So if you could just take us back. So, Hey, you have two kids, you have two kids now. And how old are they? Ruby just turned five and four to seven. So five and seven. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. And that's wild. (laughs) Mine's four. My oldest is four. Mm -hmm. Um, so going back, so you you always knew that you were going to be successful, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. You always, you also always knew you were going to be a mom. Was there ever a period where you didn't know how the two would work together? (laughs) Um, I think there was just a period of time where I didn't know any of it was ever going to work or happen. Um, like nothing of my story makes sense for me being here with two kids and successful at all. Um, but no, like, okay. So when I had Ford, I already had a business. I already had like a six figure business. So maybe it's just my attitude, but I never was like, I had this, like, how hard can I be attitude? And I had the same attitude when it came to having a child I and my business at the same time, I was like, well, how hard can it be? And it was different. You know what I mean? It was very different, but it, to me, I didn't see it as hard. I was like, well, things are going to have to be different. Um, there was never really a time where I didn't see how those work together, but I also viewed, um, parenthood, like I said, differently. I viewed parenthood as a part of my path and my journey towards like my purpose versus this is just what I do or like, I don't feel enough love or like, I just want somebody to love me unconditionally. There's so many reasons that women have kids that we don't like that. They never really ever want to admit. Um, or it was an accident or something worse happened for me. It was always a part of the journey. So when I got pregnant with Ford, I started to feel more spiritual. Like I'd never been, I'd never been like a, um, I was like religious growing up and I always had my own knowing, but I wasn't into like the, I just didn't really get into it as much. Well, I was with Ford. And so then my relationship with Ford, just, I became somebody else, a different version of myself. And that was where the business went. And then when I got pregnant with Ruby, it was kind of more, uh, let's get this shit figured out. Like, let's make sure that we have like a nanny or we have a housekeeper. Like it was very more material things. 
And so though each of those children brought something to me that I brought to my business, but I never thought I didn't know how that was going to happen. No, no, I never knew how I was going to get here at all. I just did the next best thing in front of me. I love the attitude too. Cause I, I can, I can agree that honestly, you have to have that attitude, that attitude of like, how car, how hard can it be? <laughs> because yeah. I mean, so many women tap out before they even give themselves a full chance. And if you have mm-hmm. that attitude, you're so much more likely to just go, go for it. Just go for well, it. You're and also it- acknowledging that it's going to be hard. You're not saying like, it's going to be easy. I was never going to be like, Oh, this is going to be easy. Easy. It's like, but how hard can it be? It's like, I just had my own answer to that, which was not that hard. Not it's hard. It's just not that hard. Right. Right. Exactly. That's because I'm able to ask for help and support. And yes, Yes. I think there's when a lot of women struggle with that. Yeah, absolutely. And for the women that are going to be listening to this, that are single mothers right now, that's a huge component to this. Mm -hmm. Like how long did it take for you to be able to be someone who could easily unapologetically ask for help? Oh, up until it took a long time. I was in my thirties. Um, I was on like baby. I mean, I, okay. Asking for help is one thing. Asking for help without feeling guilty, shame and all of those things. It's another thing. So I was able to start asking for help just a few years ago without feeling shame or guilt about asking for help. But like, maybe I was shameless in that because I always did ask for help. Not as much as I needed. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a big thing is like, releasing the pride around asking for help because we were never meant to do this alone. I very much adopt the village mentality. Like my parents are like, you had me. So you knew you're going to have grandkids. Like it's all a package deal. Like we're all responsible to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. I agree. Um, you lose your freaking mind if you don't have a village or something or create it on your own. Like I think, there are so many options. Like I have a friend that was a single mom and she moved in with another single mom and then they co-parented together. Um, there's so many different options, but there's also barriers depending upon your culture, barriers depending upon your, um, economic status. But I still think that there are ways like even within that to have a friend and to, to have a little bit of help to be able to trust each other. Yeah, absolutely. So going to, so into, into relationships, right? So mm-hmm. you, just take us back to what your yeah. life, I guess, looked, looked like. Um, you had the two kids. You were with, I assume, husband. Were you married? Their father. Yeah, their father. His name's Todd. He's the best. Um, so we were married and we got married. It was interesting. We were kind of like in the same phase of life, but not. So I was like 25, getting to be 26. And I was a wild, completely wild. I didn't have any like responsibility. I didn't even like, I couldn't even pay rent. My rent was like 250. And I couldn't somehow um, come up with that on time every month. And it's so funny because even when I was making $40,000 months, I was still dealing with that same money issue. It doesn't matter how much money I would make, but I was dealing with that. And I just did not have my shit together, but I was ready to get my shit together. I was ready to be a grown up. I was ready to stop disappointing my parents. I was ready to like do what I thought I needed to do, which is like get married, have kids. And uh, I just decided that back then I started reading uh, Think Like a Man. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. Yeah. I think, uh, Steve Harvey's books, yep. think like, act like a lady, think like a man. It was the first personal development book I ever read and I used it and I met Todd. And so then Todd was at a place in his life where he had just bought a house. He had two dogs. He had like a nice job and a 401k. So he was like, okay, like I'll pretty much just marry the next person I meet. 
essentially. And so we both were like, well, I guess I'll just marry the first responsible man I meet and I'll marry the first girl I meet. That's not a complete trash, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Cause I was pretty trashy. I don't know. So we met and we just, it moved really quickly. And uh, before we knew it, we were married. We were strangers who were married. Cause we were always just like partying and drinking and because we didn't know each other. It was just really awkward. So yeah, we, before we knew it, we were married and we had a kid and um, we were not getting along at all. We were just like, I turned, I changed completely. I started my business. Um, I became more of who I was and he was forced to start becoming more of who he was. Cause when you see somebody be so authentically themselves, you start to question like who you are. So he was struggling with that. And then being me being the breadwinner at the time, there's like stuff that happened with his job. So there's just a lot. Um, and we got, we separated and then, well, I found out I was six weeks pregnant with Ruby. And that's when I realized I was like, no way am I bringing a girl into this situation? Like I'm not perpetuating this with another female. And so we separated and then I did pregnancy by myself and it was like the most liberated I ever felt. Cause I moved, I had my, I just want, did, did, did everybody hear that? Like, I just have to take a minute. You willingly happily sounds like you were very overjoyed. I was a little, it was it was it was devastating I don't think right. anybody like goes into any breakup is going to hurt but especially when you're six weeks pregnant right. you've never lived on your own before I've always had a roommate um I have another child who's a toddler he's barely two um and I'm self-employed so I moved in with my parents for a few weeks mm-hmm. I lost my biggest client like I was in a the worst place in my life but I just have so much faith in God in general and myself. And, um, I'm so lucky to have parents and that like the privilege of having somewhere to go. Right. I wasn't homeless, but at that point I probably would have been, I, I, I just couldn't be in that house anymore. It was my decision to leave. I was like, we can't keep doing this. Something's somebody that to do something. Cause this is killing both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I left six weeks pregnant and I moved into an apartment I did an affiliate for, I affiliated for a program that I was in and I did like $20,000 in sales, which would set me up for at least rent for the whole time I was pregnant. So I knew I had that covered and it was a cute little apartment, my first, and I paid rent every month. I got, I I just was so proud of myself. I started working out. I lost a ton of weight while I was pregnant. Like Ruby really like brought the structure because she's Capricorn. So she brought like this energy of like, let's go. We're going to, let's make the money. Let's do the things. Let's go to work. Let's work out. Like we have a, like things to do, ma'am. Um, and then I ended up moving right back in with my ex right before I had Ruby. Cause he had changed and I had changed. And then we tried it for a little bit. We tried it for, she was probably six or seven months when we decided to fully just separate. And then I moved again with the kids. So yeah, that was, that's pretty much the story. I moved with the kids and then I moved back home to marrying. Cause I was like, I could use the help with my parents. And then I met, uh, I was dating for two years and then I met Jesse. That's what I, okay. Okay. I hear you say this and I just, okay. First, first of all, I had a period of my first pregnancy where I was single too. Oh, yeah. And I wonder, I just wonder if there's more women that I, I, that has to happen. Of course. Like, I, I feel mm-hmm. like that happens and women don't talk about it though. Cause that's like, why would you choose to be single, uh, while you're pregnant when, you know, you could, well, because it's so important, like what your environment is and like the programming that happens while you're pregnant to those kids. Like if I had known that when I was pregnant with Ford, I probably wouldn't have been in the marriage then. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew that. 
And you said, you said that that was like the most liberating time in your life. Oh my God. So relate to that. You like, know why? Because it was all on us. Like it's all about personal responsibility. So like, we can't blame anybody else if it goes wrong. We can't blame anybody else if it goes right. And oh. I think a lot of women avoid that responsibility because they don't want people to blame them or they don't want to blame themselves. But mm-hmm. when you do that, like when you give everybody else, you can blame other people, right? Then when things go right, you have to share it with other people. Yep. And it's like sharing your power. Yeah. Did you, did you, cause I, I, I remember feeling like I had, I had this, I had this energy of like, well, I'm growing a human and I don't, I, and I'm doing this myself now. It was like my moment of moment of like, I don't need anybody. I had, a, I had a good moment of that. Before What's I this, like, there's nothing more powerful than being pregnant and yeah. like bringing a human into the world. And you're just like, listen, I can do anything. Like I can do any women are so powerful. And I don't think that you really feel that until you're pregnant and you're making a human that you're like, wow, like I can really do anything. Like, yeah. fuck you. Like yeah. you, can, you can't tell me anything. Like I'm growing a human. I know. I know. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, so, okay. So, so the bit, the business, the kids, that all of that, um, and then single life and then you, <laughs> <laughs> and that then, was a whole thing. yeah. And then, and then did you have a period then where you were like, I, I want to stay single for a while, or were you always open to your person coming? Like what, oh. what was the transition like? I was extremely codependent. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized through the, I realized through the dating, I got a boyfriend immediately. Okay. Um, when I separated from my husband, I mean, painfully immediately, probably to him and, and to me. Um, I'm talking like a month or two after we separated. So, and then I was just devastated when that didn't work out when it happened so quickly. And then I realized just how traumatized and codependent I was and anxious attached I was. So once I realized that I hired a dating coach and I hired a femininity coach and that's when I realized, uh, where all my power was going and all the work that needed to be done. So I was open to, I wanted to be in a relationship. I'm a Libra moon, a Libra like rising. Like I want to be in relationship, but I also want to be with like everybody. So I just, I, I wanted something. I wanted to be with somebody. Um, I had like this situation for like two years that was extremely toxic and so gross that it was beautiful. If that makes sense. Like it was so toxic that it was, it brought forth all of the, all the light. Like I saw all of my power. I saw how tightly wound, how much my, um, self-worth was tied up into other people. So that translated into my business as well. So I realized how much of my business I had built trying to like make my mom and dad, um, love me or to feel like loved. Same with getting married the first time I did it because it was like, Oh, my parents will see that I'm not a fuck up. Oh, if I make my, if I make enough money, my parents will see that I didn't mess up. Oh, if I find a partner, that's a great man. My parents will see that I, you know, it was all of these things. And, or if I do this thing, right. Then my audience will finally see that I'm the best or whatever. Because all of it was so wrapped up in everybody else, extremely codependent. So I don't know. I think like in before, right before I met Jesse, I had decided I was completely okay with being single for the rest of my life. I was like, I would, I was at peace with it. I was at peace with being single for the rest of my life. Oh. Oh, I think I cut out. Oh, did I lose you? Hang on. I think, am I back? Oh. Mm. Oh yeah, we're good. Oh. Where yeah. did I cut out? I heard pretty much all that. I think, I think I did. <laughs> Oh yeah. So I was okay with being single. 
um, for ever. Like it was, I was completely at peace with it. And I had just reevaluated. Um, basically I took all of my power back. And I was, like I said, I was really in a place of being single forever, completely accept self-accepting on, I had, uh, was tapped back into my, um, intuition. I had reevaluated my values mm-hmm. and I realized that, uh, freedom was a top value previously. And that it wasn't, a, that wasn't a top value. I was free. Like, as far as I was concerned, like, um, I value freedom, but it wasn't my top value. My top value, I think before I met Jesse was like growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also knew that if I got into a relationship that it would be like, I knew that my, like, it's interesting. I was okay with being single for the rest of my life, but I knew that I was missing an extreme amount of growth. Cause that would happen inside of a healthy relationship. Do you think that's so, I love that you touched on that because I think it's, I think there's so many women walking around lying to themselves, honestly mm-hmm. telling themselves, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with being single the rest of my life. I don't need, I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't, when, when, I mean, human nature, right. It's connection. Yeah. It's, we want it. We do want a relationship. We want mm-hmm. that. Um, do you think, do you, would you say that's the first step? Like if we had to break this down into a really like strategic mm-hmm. thing, is that to you, is that like the first step that a single mother or woman mm-hmm. has to take in order to eventually find her person? I think the first step that a single woman has to take is taking on full responsibility for her own emotions and her own emotional well being um, and her own love and all the things that you want to get from a partner that you think that it comes from outside of you. So to me, women that are like, I don't need a man. I don't want to be with a man. It's a very different energy than I'm completely okay being alone, but I want to be in partnership. I wasn't out seeking it, but I was like, it's, that's the energy you want to be in is like a complete acceptance. Like if I will grow best on my own, if I will be my highest self on my, on my own, then that I'm completely okay with that. Like I'm completely at peace in my heart and accepting in my body of that. Um, and I truly believe I'll grow in a healthy relationship. Very different than like, I don't need a man. I can do it by myself. Men are also awful. They're toxic, da, da, da. Completely different energy. I had healed that prior to the year before that. Like I had been with the most toxic men since I was 15. So I realized that like, that's because I was toxic. And that's because I was, you like, I was all very extremely narcissistic in that like I was using them as an excuse not to look at myself um, and as a way to manage my own emotions. So I realized how I was actually, that was extremely toxic. So yeah, I think step one is being completely in control and managing of your own emotions and in a peaceful, accepting place of it before they're going to find anybody that is going to be of like equal yoking or caliber that they want. Yep. And what would you say? Okay. So, so first step is, yeah, I, I fully agree. So I I want you to go back and kind of expand on what you said about fulfilling the needs that you think you need from somebody else, right? Or giving yourself whatever Mm -hmm. you're seeking externally that you need externally. Um, What, what, what specifically are the things that you had to give yourself that you maybe previously were seeking? Validation, um, validation, acceptance. So how I knew this was because I was constantly getting disappointed by men. And the opposite of disappointment is acceptance. And so 
energies, like emotions are the same thing. So like, you can't have disappointment without acceptance. It's they're both present. I was just choosing to focus on disappointment. So I gave myself, first of all, I allowed myself to feel the feelings of disappointment. And then I gave myself acceptance. I accepted all the parts of me. That, so basically I just used every man around me as a mirror. Everything I hated about the men in front of me, I hated about myself. And so I found a way to accept those. Um, I set inter, I set internal benchmarks. So like, instead of saying, how do I know that I'm attractive Oh, because this man likes this picture or because he chooses me over somebody else. That always means that they're in control of my feeling attractive. So it can't be an external benchmark. What happens when we do that is that we feel out of control because we don't have control of it. And then we double down. Like we become extremely controlling, extremely anxious. Um, yes, extremely anxious. So I set just benchmarks of like how I would know that I felt attractive or that I was attractive, like just little things like that. Um, so like talking to myself better, treating myself better boundaries, like communicating how I feel in the moment, like so vulnerably, I feel disappointed or I feel sad or I feel awkward or I feel uncomfortable. I feel angry. Um, that's such an honoring I didn't expect them to do anything about my feelings because I was just saying them out loud because they deserve to be honored. Mm -hmm. So I was basically treating myself how I would want a man to treat me. Yeah. That's so good. Like I want to replay that and have that. <laughs> that could be the yeah. whole show. That could be this whole episode. Like mm -hmm. those of you guys listening, if there's one thing you take away, take that because what, what you just said about you, you started using men as your mirror. And oh yeah. That's why we started fuck boy reform school because I was like, it's actually it's like how to manipulate the men that treat you like shit essentially. But what, it, what, what the course actually teaches is that they're a mirror that we're leveraging them to do like, they're the best personal development you'll ever find because everything you like, that's why it blows my mind when women are like, he's a narcissist. I mean, yes, there's some narcissists that exist, but women are all over TikTok. Like he's abusive. He's a narcissist. He does X, Y, Z. And I'm like, I would bet anything that you do those things and you just don't realize that you do them. Yeah. 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 So true. It's so true. So, okay. What is, what is your opinion on, okay. People, people who say, who walk around and, and live their life saying he made me feel, he made me feel this well, way. Um, I have like a, a visceral, um, visceral feeling about that only because like I used to be that level of unself-aware or self-managed and, um, a victim of life and my circumstances and my perspective. That is why I still have like a, cause I still a part of me that hasn't fully accepted that version of me that does, did that. Um, I think that they're missing out on a lot of power. I think that they're missing out on a lot of life. Um, nobody can make you feel away for an extended amount of time. There are things that people can do that can trigger a behavior in you that an unconscious behavior in you the, your responsibility is to have enough emotional regulation, regulating your nervous system, taking such great care of your body and your mind that when that happens, that you're not stuck in it and that you can shift your perspective. So yeah, there are plenty of things people say and do that are disrespectful and that, um, I don't want in my life. And they make me those, those actions do trigger something in me. It is not boundaries are not about controlling other people. Boundaries are about you. So like, even with my kids, it's like, I'm not going to be like, stop talking to me like that. I say, 
I feel sad and angry and anxious when you say that I'm going to leave the room when you say that I love you, but I have to take care of myself. And they almost always stop like, cause they're like, well, I don't want you to leave the room, but it's a, it's a natural consequence of those actions. That's very different than you said X, Y, Z. And now mommy's mad. Like you made me feel mad. I'm like, no, those words that you used, they don't feel good in my body. So I'm going to go take care of myself and I'll be back. You know, it's a little different. And I think like taking responsibility for your own respond with your ability to manage your own emotions and choose your perspective of an experience and honoring that you are triggered. And like, that's from trauma. Yes. I kind of knew that would be a response. I hope that would be a response <laughs> based, based on your, the content I've seen. I'm like, I know what she's going to say to this, but like, I, I, I want this to be said because it's so, yes. important. um, so everybody, what she's saying, what Paige, what you're saying is that basically someone can make you feel triggered, but someone cannot make you feel a certain way for an extended amount of time. If you're like, right. right. Somebody, somebody, you can be victimized. Somebody can abuse you, be abusive toward you, show abusive behavior, but you cannot, but if you stay, it's a choice. It's a it's choice. And that's a choice to be a victim. And like, I understand there are so many reasons why we stay, but it's still a choice to stay. So just understanding why you're staying, understanding why you did stay. And that's why this is the only issue when people don't take personal responsibility for the choices they made, they can't make new ones. And that's my biggest issue with, with women and moms that are like, I was with this abusive man after this abusive man after this abusive man. I'm like, that's, I don't hate that you were hurt. The idea of you being hurt. I hate it. I can empathize with that. I've been there, but if you don't take some responsibility for why you chose that man and why you stayed. And like what the actions were and what the choices, what he said, and then the choices you, if you don't completely like audit that you will make those choices again. And that is my only issue. If you don't take personal responsibility, you don't make new choices. It just becomes a pattern. It's just, yeah. this, it's just a cycle, which you talk about a lot too, breaking these mm -hmm. cycles. Mm -hmm. um, I love that. So let's talk about Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, so to recap, right. So at what age, so the kid, what age were the kids when you, um, you, you split from your, your husband, um, how old were the kids at this point? Both of them. Oh, when I split with Todd, Ruby was like eight months old okay. and Ford was like three. Okay. Here's, I think something that I know that many, many women have, have this fear, uh, women that are single that also have kids. I have this fear too, by the way. It's, 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 it basically sounds like this internally. It's, it's who, who the heck would choose a single mom of two or three or oh, whatever. Like 100%. that was did my, that? that was my, one of my biggest ones. If I remember correctly, mm -hmm. like my biggest ones. And I think my friend Gabby, who I also was a partner with, she, I forget what she said, but it was along the lines of a really great man. Exactly. You know, like a really great man. And she's like, what? There's going to be plenty of men on this planet who want a family who haven't been able to have a family, or maybe they're older or, you know, you don't know the circumstances are, but you're going to be the answer to this person's prayer or, you know, whatever it is that they need. And I just chose to focus on that. Even as I was presented over and over and over again with men who were not in that sharing that perspective. 
It's so, so good. And I mean, so the truth so- is like, if, the, if they don't want, if they didn't want the kids in me, then like, they're not the person. I don't care how much I could like men do mental gymnastics to make them or how great they were, how perfect we would be together. If they didn't want that, then that they weren't my person. Like the, I'm like a package deal, you know, with those kids. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not one or the other, your package deal. Right. And I love what you said about even though, so you, you said, you know, it's not like you met Jesse, um, which is your, your person now, right. Mm-hmm. It's not like you, you met him right away and then everything fell into place and it was, you know, no. <laughs> just happened. you said, no. you said that you were presented, the universe presented you with men who did not want the whole kids, the, the whole, the whole package, the whole thing, but you kept focusing on what well, I kept said. choosing. Said, I kept choosing okay. what I wanted. I was like, okay, well, you don't want this and I want this. It's just an, it's a difference in desires. It's not personal. And I just kept going. Yeah. And then I said, like I said, I'll, I got to the point where I was like, well, well, if this isn't it, I mean, the kids are good. They have a great father. Like, I'm not worried about them having a, a father. Yep. They have a father. They have plenty of male figures in their life. My brother, my dad, their, their grandpa, their uncle, like they're good. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say? I just want to pause and, and touch on this. So what would you say to women though, that are listening to this, that maybe don't have their, their kids don't have the father figures. They don't have any healthy masculine figures in their life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she has been presented with situations and, and men who it hasn't worked out with. And she's coming to a point where she's really doubting that. I focused really difficult. Like I've, I focused really hard on being a um, healthy feminine so that the men in my life would match that. So I'd say that like making sure you're taking care of yourself, making sure you're expressing how, what you want, what you need. Um, like if I told my dad, like, I feel scared or I feel overwhelmed, then he would go get diapers and he would bring them. Or I just was randomly attracting like just really great peers, masculine peers in the industry who like had kids and I could bring the kid. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be romantic, but when you start like experiencing more of that, like magnetism and that receptivity versus like the control of how to make it happen, which is like where you're at as a single mom. I mean, everything is your responsibility. If you can start to, you know, offload some of the everyday things start taking care of yourself. You'll find that like good men do show up, even if they're just friends. I have plenty of male friends. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I actually was out with a male friend before I met Jesse. I wouldn't have been out that night if I hadn't like met up with one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. Perfect segue. So how did you meet him? How did you meet him? So what? So, um, so we yes. had just been in Austin for work. I was doing something for a client and I had been for the year prior to that. I had been looking at houses in Austin for no reason none. I just knew I needed to be there. Like I was like, well, I'm supposed to be in all, like, there was just like this thing about Austin. So I was looking at like being by, cause I had at the time I had the kids every other weekend. So I could have a house for a week and then, you know, it was easier back then. Um, and so I had gone and done this trip and then on the way out of the airport, I was actually very sad to go back to Ohio, which is like never the thing. I'm usually very excited to go home, like a homebody. Um, but there was a voice that was like, you need to come back next weekend. I was like, for what? And then I saw on Instagram that my friend Jason was going to be in town to do some mind Valley stuff that he was filming. And so I was like, oh, maybe it's to see Jason in person, you know, like maybe that's a romantic thing. I didn't know. Like I was just saying, I felt like I needed to go and see this person or like come back to Austin. Um, so I did, I booked a flight for the next weekend after I didn't have the kids. I had the kids with me on this trip. This is like our first trip together. Um, and 
I went out for a drink with him and then I wasn't drinking at the time really at all. And I had like a glass of rosé and I wasn't done. I was like, I think I want one more. And I was like walking into the hotel and I heard metal music like two doors down. And I was like, well, I won't get hit on there. I just was not at all trying to be with men. So I was like, I'm not going to get hit on there. I don't have to worry about like staying up all night. I got hit on uh, <laughs> by Jesse. Um, but so he came up to me about an hour into it and he said something smooth. And then we started talking about Alan Watts and like mm-hmm. spirituality in a metal bar. So I found the only metal head that's like talking about the fucking yeah, yeah. Spirituality and like, uh, you know, esoteric things. And then he's like, I got to go. I'm headlining. I got to go. I was like, what? I didn't even know he was a musician like that. He was playing or anything, but he was like going on stage. Um, and then we spent the night together and then we spent the next night together. And then we stayed, we spent the whole weekend together. Um, and then I flew back about two weeks later for New Year's Eve. And again, in January, he was working construction. So like I had the, um, I had the ability to like do the, the flying. And so then, yeah, he got an opportunity to be in a band here in Ohio randomly, like one of the more like assigned touring band here in Ohio. And so I was like, we can stay with me until you guys go on tour, which is like two weeks. It's supposed to be two weeks. Yeah. Well, he moved here for two weeks and then the thing fell through with the band. So then officially my boyfriend, I had been my boyfriend for literally four days before he would got that offer for the band, we become official. Cause I was like, I made him wait. I made him work for it. But, um, yeah. So like he was my boyfriend. Then he was my live-in boyfriend. It was really fast for me, but here we are. What I love about that. I could not love that more is that all of that happened to me. What it, what it sounds like it's, it was all because you followed your intuition. Uh-huh. It was like an, uh, huh. Yeah. Yeah. Almost always if I like just follow the uh uh-huh, even if it doesn't make sense because at the time I wasn't drinking. So for me to go out and like have a free drinks or like get a little bit buzzed was like not in the realm of possibility for me at the time. So, but I was like, okay, well, I'm getting the hit that I need to go do this thing. And I need to go back to Austin and I'll even like let him move in for two weeks prior to like go on tour with these guys. Um, Cause it was like, he has to leave his job. He has to do everything. Like he has to drop everything. He doesn't have anything other than that. Um, other than music. And so, yeah, I followed my intuition the whole way because like nothing on paper (laughs) made any sense. And it wasn't like what I would advise probably anybody to do like on paper. No. And it's been, oh, the amount of growth that has happened in one year is incredible. It's been extremely painful to go from like, it's just like you're trading in one pain for another, but, um, you know, one is healthy and the other one is like just self-harm. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, and I, okay. As someone, as someone who's seen your content, I've seen, I've seen, you know, here and there you talk about the dynamic of the relationship and, and just how he worships you. I've seen you use <laughs> that work and I love that so much. And it sounds like it's, kind of drastically different than anything else you've oh it's an exact opposite like the exact opposite so he's a reflection of my treatment of myself so all the men before him were a reflection of how I treated myself so I was not worshiping myself I didn't think that I like 
he worships the ground I walk on. He thinks everything I do is great. Even when I'm a bitch, he loves I'm a bitch. In fact, it's his favorite thing. It like turns him on. So like all the things I hated about myself, right? Like he loves. And it's because I started to love it about myself. I remember like even before I met him, I was like, I love that I'm a little bit bitchy. Like I love that people are afraid of me. Like I do. I used to hate it. But um, he's just a reflection of everything uh, good about me and bad about me. Like that, you know, that I've just accepted about myself and um, continues to be a mirror for those things, you know, but it hasn't been perfect. I mean, I was in all those relationships also to avoid being the disappointment. So I would be in relationship with men. So they would disappoint me so I could avoid being the disappointment. Whereas in this relationship, I've 100% been more of the disappointment because I'm, I'm just healing. He's healing, but I feel like I was healing loudly. Mm-hmm. Like I was much more toxic. I feel like that's all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I can say the same. Like um, all of my behaviors from the past, like yeah. presented themselves, but he just kept, he stayed, he kept accepting it, accepting it and staying and staying. So yeah. Yeah. At what point, so how do the kids come into this then? So he's, he stays with you. You're like this guy, okay, this wasn't supposed to be anything, but like, here we are. Um, so talk us through what that looked like. Like you at some point knew, okay, I, I, I want to obviously see where this goes. And now he's my boyfriend. And now how do the kids, kids come into it then? And what, what did that require you to go through? And, um, it didn't like the transition wasn't as like, intentional as I would have loved for it to be. Cause obviously he was only going to be there for a little bit. Right. And so it was like, Hey, mommy's friend is staying and get to know him. And like, obviously we keep them like separate as they, keep, they get to know each other. We didn't like really have that luxury when we found out that he wasn't going to be in that band, but he was like in Ohio, he had just moved his whole life here. Um, so it was difficult. A lot of, uh, how I interact with my kids in general is I'm extremely honest and I'm just very transparent. And so I was just like, this is mommy's boyfriend. He's going to be living here with mommy sometimes. Cause he, he plays, they already knew who he was because they had seen his music and they loved his music. They would always ask me to play it. So like they called him rock tar, rock tar. <laughs> That's what <laughs> Ruby is like Ruby pronounces her S's now. And Jesse's like devastated. Cause it used to be rock toy. And now it's rock star. And uh, so they knew who he was. So it wasn't like I just the stranger. They were excited to meet a rock toy. Um, but it's been difficult, like for sure, because I'm managing my kids are not normal kids. I know it sounds ridiculous, but like everybody says that they're not normal kids. And so they're extremely intelligent, extremely outspoken, extremely stubborn. And um, they want things their way. And I don't know. They just they're not easy and neither is he. <laughs> and so it was kind of like, I felt like I was playing for a long time. I felt like I was like refereeing, if that makes sense. Like he was never like yelled at them or anything like that, but he was just like, whoa, yeah. how do they talk? They talk to you like that or because I parent differently. I'm like a non-authoritative, right. um, non-coercive parent. So even when they disrespect me, they're told like, you cannot speak to me like that, but it's not in a, like an authoritative tone and it's not with any type of punishment Mm -hmm. if that makes sense and so for somebody that grew up in an extremely different household like jesse he was like what is this so it was just a lot of that and 
Ruby had a difficult time sharing me. Mm-hmm. Ford is like used to it by now. Um, just like between his dad and like the divorce and stuff. Ruby has a difficult time sharing me. So she's like attached more when he's around. That makes sense. She, they love him. They like, like they go spend time with him without me around. Yeah. Like if he's gone, they're like, where is he? And if he's in the basement playing music, they'll go down and just sit with him. Um, they have like conversations, but it was, it's been a year coming and he, he doesn't want any more kids. Let's put it that way. That's what I was going to, okay. So for, <laughs> he's not even 30 yet. And he's like, no, I'm good. I think I'm good. <laughs> he's like, I've seen it. I got, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I got the gist of it, you know? And he's just like, I don't want to, I don't think I'll be like. Right. A good he has, he's because he's got his career that is like right. very much important to him. Like right. this situation is like ideal for him where they're not around 24 seven. Did you, I love that you're going to go here. Cause I'm going to go here too. So when you, when you knew that, okay, he's going to like, this is going to be a thing for hopefully a long time. He's going to be around and I like this and I like where yeah. it's going. Um, did you sit down and have that conversation? I feel like this is going to be helpful to people listening. Um, did you have that conversation with him about you know, does he want more kids? What does he want? Oh, before we were dating, there are so many things that like, I, like I, I date that way. Like I'm not going to be your girlfriend unless we are going the same way. We have the same at the time. He, at the time he didn't care one way or the other. He was like, yeah, I'm open to it. It would be nice to have like one of my own and da, 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 da. And I was open to it either way. Like I was like, you know, if before the age of like 45, um, you know, like I wanted to, I didn't want to have it past a certain age. Um, so I was open to it, but I wasn't like, I want another kid. So we were pretty on the same page as that. Um, but when he's like, I don't want a kid, I don't want it my own. I think it'll change eventually. I do. I think once they get older, I think he's going to be like, (laughs) you know, once we have like, once things are different, like we have nannies, we have more support. We have like, he's got things like he's in the band that's traveling the world and it's like solid because it's so up in the air with different bands touring, um, then it might change, but he's, you know, we're, I'm okay either way. That's what, that's the thing is I don't have a strong stance either way, preferably not, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but I I have to bring up too. I, I was, um, I was on your TikTok right before I went. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And I saw, I saw the video you did about, uh, taking a pregnancy type. Yeah. You're, you're like, Hey ladies, like if, if, if Anflo hasn't come, like just go, you know, buy, buy an expensive pregnancy test. And it comes an hour later every single time. And that's why I told him, I was like, let's go to target. I want my period. I'm so tired of this. Nothing. I knew I wasn't, but it just, it was extremely late. And so, um, yeah, it's, I, yeah, I wasn't afraid because we're like pretty careful. Cause he doesn't want to yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw that and I was like, that's hilarious because I just the same thing like four days ago. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. But do it. But, that's the that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. But also knowing I knew I like I knew I wasn't. It's it's that it's that again intuition. I'm like, I know I'm not, but but you just I just know as soon as I take it that I'll yeah. get it. That's just how it goes. And I did. It's wild every time. We had tried everything. We tried the sex thing, like yeah. everything, orgasms, but it just wasn't coming. I was like, let's get the pregnancy test. Yeah. Last thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I know we only have a few minutes. I think this is gonna be super helpful. What, let's go back for a second. Walk us uh-huh. through what it looks like. So, so you, so when, when you were dating and you mm-hmm. said that you had no problem, um, right away from, from the beginning of a potential relationship, you would lay out what you want, what you don't want, um, yeah. see they're on the same page and then 
you know, make the decision from there. I think so many women are like what I have heard, especially high value women. They're like, well, I don't want to come across this way. I don't know if it's too early, blah, 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 blah. Um, so maybe just, could you share a couple of maybe just examples on how you open up that conversation from date one, date two, like early on so that you, we don't waste our time. Right. So I actually listen a lot in the early stages. I don't really talk a lot. They tell you everything you need to hear. If you just listen. Um, and then just, you ask questions about like, just ask questions that kind of get you the answer. Like one question is like, have you ever been so mad? You wanted to hit a girl? Like, yes, I'm sure they have been. Any man has probably been so mad that they want to hit a girl. You know what I mean? But like, how do they speak about it? How do they speak about their sister? How do they speak about women in their life? How do they talk about, like, do they take personal responsibility? And then like, they'll, they usually guide the conversation. Like, do you want kids? Do you want to get married? They'll talk your ear off. They love to talk. So I just get all that information. Um, but first I just know what I want and what I don't want, but I don't sit down and give them a list. I will just say how I feel. I'll be like, Oh, that feels gross. Or that feels yucky. Or I love that. It feels so good. Um, or it feels yucky when you say that, or it feels, you know, or I love when you do this, or I love how I feel when I'm here. Like it wasn't a list of things. It wasn't like, I didn't hand him a list and say, these are my non-negotiables, but I did say before we started dating, I said, well, when you think of a girlfriend, like, what does that look like for you? What is a girlfriend? You know, what do you think you have to do? What do you not do? What does she do? What do you do? Like, what does that look like for you? Um, and I just made sure that like, that was something that I could do. And then same for him, like what I, what I expect out of a boyfriend or like what I see a boyfriend as. And he wanted to like, see if there was something he could, something he struggled with a little bit was my need to be so communicative and the freedom to say whatever I wanted. My thing was if we're together five years and I meet somebody and I feel a connection with them, I'm not saying I want to be with them or I want to open the relationship up. I just need to know that I can have that conversation with you and it won't be an immediate like end game or, you know, game over. And he was like, well, I don't know, you know, that and he, it worked. It took him a while to get to that point, but he's like, but I'm willing to work to get to that point. That's so, so important. You That's just have to understand what you need. And I wouldn't have understood what I needed if I didn't take that time for myself to understand who I am and what like is best for me. And then to ask the questions, make sure. And then you can always just refer back to that. Like, I want a ring. And, you know, and if he doesn't want to give, like, if he doesn't want to give me a ring, then like, I want a ring. So like, I'm going to go do my thing. I love that. I think this is, this is so, this is just huge because what you're saying is that you never once tried to change the man to mold, to fit, to see. Hell no, no, never. No. And you shouldn't do that with anybody. It's like, you just make sure that they want the same thing as you. If it's a non-negotiable, then you don't want to, you know, there's some things you can there's wiggle room on, but there's other things that are not. And so you, you don't want to change him. You need to take care of yourself. If that's what you want, if you want marriage and he's like, I don't want marriage, then you need to, then you need to go find somebody that aligns with those values. But women do, that's what they'll do. They'll spend all their time trying to change the person they're with. Like, can you accept it? It's accept or reject always. Can I accept this? And if I accept this, am I like betraying myself or is it just something I can accept? Um, or not, then you need to just reject it. If he's like, I'm never going to marry you and you want to be married, then you got to go. And goodbye. I love mm-hmm. that. I love that. That needs yeah. to be like a post, like a, I don't know. Do you need to sell that somehow? <laughs> <laughs> which, which also I was like, I was like, I really want to want you to touch on this, but this is a whole different episode um, on your philosophy in life, which is that you're 
paid to exist. Like I so want to go there. Yeah. It's so good, but definitely episode number two. Yeah. It's so good. But I think this can be so helpful. Is there any like last, um, even if it's a small shift and anything that, um, that a high value woman can do, whether it's for herself or anything to call in or attract or manifest, if you want to say, um, her person, if she, if she's Again, ready, if she feels ready, like what, what is it? Yeah. Getting very, so that self-focus again, like completely self-managed, making sure you're communicating how you're feeling to yourself, regardless of if there's another person around. <clears throat> and just that creates this power that you pull all your power back in that creates the magnetism. Right. And then getting very clear about what you want in a partner I was very clear about what did I want in a partner? More importantly, how I would feel when I was with him, I would feel worshiped. I would feel adored. I would feel like the hottest person on the planet. Um, I would have emotional communication with him, like all these things and just be very clear about that. And then, you know, when the man is presented to you, make sure that it's an alignment and if, like, and then accept or reject. It's really simple when you put it that mm-hmm. way. And wow. I think really, I think it can be simple. I think mm-hmm. it can be a lot simpler than a lot of women make it out to be. Agreed. So I love that. I love that you simplified it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, yeah. Can you tell everybody where to go into your world and find you? <laughs> Yep. You can find me on Instagram at I am Paige Michelle. And then you can find me on TikTok at I am Paige Michelle. And that pretty much has all of my links. Not really doing a website these days. Yeah. I love that. And especially if you want a beautiful example of just a woman that really like you, you just put anything out there that you want. Like you just talk about uh-huh. everything online. Yeah. I, just love that. <laughs> I really love that. Thank you. It's just a way of honoring myself and not boxing myself in. Yeah. Which so many women do. And then they're miserable yeah. and wonder why. Well, it's because they, they're limiting themselves. If you limit what you talk about yeah. it to a niche or like a topic online, then you are going to feel limited. Yeah. And you're going like, to sure. be bored as heck. Yeah. Very. <laughs> I've gone through that. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks for having so me. Yes. And we'll Thank put all you. your links in the show notes um, and we'll have you on again. Definitely. For awesome. Round two. Thank you. I'll be less sick the next time. So. Awesome. Thank you so much.